Welcome to the Utah Women in Leadership podcast series. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, founding director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project at Utah State University. I'm hosting this podcast in partnership with Utah Public Radio, USU Extension, and the John M. Huntsman School of Business. Today, I will be sharing some of the research that we've found that focuses on how understanding gender can actually help us raise girls and boys, for that matter, to be more confident and competent. And as I said in my last episode, I believe that each of us, whether we're a parent or not, can help raise girls and boys around us, actually in any setting. In this episode, I will be discussing research around some of the biological and socialized differences between girls and boys. Again, we have full curriculum in a series called Understanding Gender that's more broad. So this is just a taste of that series. Last time I talked about the brain and touch. So today, let's continue the conversation. I started in the last episode by discussing some of the research findings related to four areas, really the differences in terms of sight, sound, smell, and communication. So let's start with sight. Some research says that males and females see the world differently, at least in some respects. There are differences in visual systems that are hardwired and linked to specific neurons in the brain's primary cortex. The androgens that are responsible for this variation develop in utero. As we discussed previously for females, language, verbal cues, social cognition, and fine motor skills develop earlier than in males. And remember, in males, their ability to see their world spatially between objects and with movement, those develop earlier. This suggests a sex-related difference for attention to objects versus space relations, which is best exemplified by how males and females navigate their environment. Now, according to some research, men perform better than women in situations that favor using direction, like north, east, south, west, whereas women perform as well as men or better when landmarks are available for orientation. Tasks that favor males may include targeting skills, such as throwing darts, mental rotation of objects, and tracking moving objects. Tasks that favor females are recognition, memory, verbal fluency, and names. One is not better than the other. It's just the way it is. Think back to the hunter-gatherer analogy of my last episode. Because the male brain has a higher concentration of male hormone receptors in the visual cortex, about 25%, they can detect quick changing details from afar, which gives them an evolutionary advantage. Uh, Females, because they understand verbal cues, can multitask and are more socially cognizant, which also has evolutionary advantages. Our visual system is actually two separate systems working in parallel. According to sources, one system is used more by boys to see. So where is it? And the other system is used more for girls to see what is it. Researchers discovered that infant males prefer to look at moving mobiles, and infant females prefer to look at the human faces. Another study found that infant girls respond to facial expressions earlier than baby boys, and girls can recognize certain facial cues earlier than boys. So one study from the University of Southern California focused on how male, adult males and females focus differently in conversations. And the researchers found that men are more likely to fixate on the mouth of the person talking and are more likely 
likely to be distracted by movement behind that person's. Women tend to shift their gaze between the eyes and the body. These differences impact the way males and females interact and communicate. Boys and girls and men and women don't often see exactly the same thing during conversations. So the next time you're having a conversation with a man or a woman, notice how and where they look during the conversation and perform your own analysis. I've done that. It's fascinating. So how does this information on sight impact you as you work with children and teens, whether you're a parent, an uncle, an aunt, a grandparent, or a neighbor? Have you ever noticed the differences in the way the girls and boys draw? Now, studies show that most boys want to draw action and motion, and most girls want to draw what looks really appealing, a lot of color. One expert mentioned that because most K-12 through teachers are women, they often encourage children to draw pictures based on what they themselves see. This could be confusing to boys because boys want to draw movement and action. This could lead to discouragement when their style of drawing is not appreciated by whomever gives them feedback. When someone asks for a picture to be drawn by their own standards, it reinforces stereotypes. The result could be boys who think drawing is for girls and don't pursue visual arts because they're encouraged to draw what girls draw and not really what they're interested in. Men are perfectly capable of creating great art, but in modern culture, very few boys want to study art, which could be partially explained by these dynamics. Now, have you ever noticed how girls and boys see color? Males require a slightly longer wavelength of a color to experience the same shade as women do. And men, at least according to some researchers, are less able to tell the difference between hues. Longer wavelengths are associated with warmer colors, implying that colors like orange might appear redder to a man than a woman. Green appears a bit yellower to men than women. Studies have shown that more men experience some degree of color blindness, which could be the result of how male brains see their world. All of these studies provide a framework for understanding how gender differences in perception contribute to how the genders share their actual reality. So are there differences? I'm shifting to the second topic now. Are there differences between girls and boys or men and women in terms of hearing? According to studies, the average girl has more sensitive hearing than the average boy. And background noise bothers girls more than boys. Now, if a boy is tapping his pencil, he won't even notice. But it could drive the girl sitting next to him crazy. If you are a teacher and you, you could find a happy medium by replacing the loud pencil with something the boy can tap that doesn't make any noise. Studies have shown that androgen exposure before birth can impact fetal development and hearing sensitivity. A study at the University of Sheffield found differences in the way the male and female's brain process vocal sounds. Females typically process voice sounds in one specific area of the left cerebral hemisphere, but males tend to process male voices in the same area, but they process female voice sounds in the auditory portion of the right hemisphere used for processing melody lines. Isn't that interesting? So males hear lower voices in the same area of the brain that females use, but higher voices in the area of the brain used for processing melody. 
females can pick up more nuances of tonality in their voices and in other sounds, like crying and moaning. Males do not hear the same nuances of tonality. For example, they might miss the warning tone in a female's voice. To increase the likelihood of being heard by boys and men, some women have found that they need to lower their vocal pitch, keep it even, avoid pitch variation, speak loudly, and have lower inflections at the end of sentences. Isn't that kind of weird? One researcher and physician stated, the female voice is actually more complex than the male voice due to the differences in the size and shapes of vocal cords and the larynx between men and women. Due to women having greater natural melody in their voices, this causes a more complex range of sound frequencies than a male voice. So the larynx, the voice box that holds the vocal folds, is more descended in males, which is why men tend to have a defined Adam's apple. This means that when the vocal folds in males generate a sound wave, a vibration, the wavelength is longer because it travels further along the vocal track. The longer the wavelength lowers the pitch. So the sound of a voice triggers the auditory section of the brain to determine the various factors around the person speaking, like gender and age and appearance. In essence, the person hearing the voice is analyzing whether he or she hears to read the voice and determine who is speaking. The part of the brain that processes this information is towards the back of the brain, and it's informally known as the mind's eye. A fascinating study done by the University of Sheffield found that people who hear hallucinatory voices usually hear men's voices. Now, psychiatrists uh, believe that these hallucinations are caused when the brain spontaneously activates, creating a false perception of a voice. The reason these voices are usually male could be explained by the fact that the female voice is so much more complex that the brain would find it harder to create a false female voice accurately as compared to a false male voice. I thought that was interesting when I researched this. Now, how children hear has a direct impact on how they learn. For example, a soft-spoken teacher, especially a woman, may not be heard by boys in the back of the class, and this could cause boys to lose interest and be disruptive. The teacher can either speak much louder or move boys to a place where they can hear more easily. However, as you know, uh, boys in the front of the class may be more disruptive if they're not with their friends. Studies have shown that girls have a higher sensitivity to sound. As mentioned, in classroom settings, girls could be distracted by noise levels that boys don't even register. Understanding how to adapt to the differences in how boys and girls hear is critical. Tips from our sources include things like avoid raising your voice with girls, and if you are soft-spoken, speak up so boys can hear you. Boys generally acquire information easily through visual methods, particularly if the information involves pictures or graphs rather than words. And girls, on the other hand, are good at auditory—they're more auditory learners and can listen and take notes. Now, just a reminder of something I said earlier. There is a continuum, a sex continuum. So not all girls are the same and not all boys are the same. These come from both biology, as I said before, or socialization. We really need to be aware of these differences as as we are influencers. But 
But again, not to use this information to box in either girls or boys or men or women. Sometimes it's tough. We all have so much unconscious bias, and gender is one of the strongest characteristics of an individual that we have so many biases around. Of course, race and ethnicity is another one. So the intersection of race, uh, gender, and race is really important to learn about as well. So let's shift to the third area for today, and that is smell. Did you know that there are differences in the ways boys and girls smell? Since the late 1800s, researchers have been studying how females and males differ in their ability to smell, and they are really getting conflicting results. So most studies conclude that for select odors, women outperform men on odor detection tests. Now, here's how the data stacks up. I don't know if you're going to hang on to these numbers, but I'll give them to you anyway. Women, on average, have 16 0.2 million cells in what is called the olfactory bulb, and men on average have 9.2 million cells in that area. So women 6 million, men about 2 million. With neurons related to smell, the average woman has 6.9 million and the average male 3.5 million. Cells that help the brain process information that relate to smell average about 9.3 million million in women and 5.7 million in men. Okay, can you see the difference? Women have many, many, many more than men. Women, by design, have more to work with in terms of distinguishing odors than men. Women consistently score higher than men on standard odor detection, discrimination, and identification. One researcher has claimed that the superior olfactory ability of females is evident even in newborn babies. Most females tend to memorize odors of familiar items and how something smells really does matter. However, with boys, smell isn't as important. Why does smell matter in like a classroom or in your home or in other settings? Well, think of interacting with someone who has bad breath or body odor. For most girls and women, once they lock into that odor, they have difficulty concentrating on anything else. Understanding these sex differences and reactions to different odors could help us, especially as parents, find creative solutions to learning and just growth and how to impact in various ways. Sex differences in detecting odor, especially for women, have been linked to the menstrual cycle, pregnancy, and hormone fluctuations. Now, think of a pregnant woman having difficulty with certain odors because it makes them nauseated. Studies have shown that a large part of female sensitivity to odor is because of the female hormones. Men, on the other hand, smell must and odors associated with androsterone better than females do. Biologically, this matters because males have inherited traits uh, related to protecting a gene pool. And the ability to single out these odors may help them in choosing mates and thus provide evolutionary advantage. Of course, this most likely is not as helpful in today's world. Smell plays an important role in interpersonal communication, though. Based on body odor, humans can assess some personality traits of other people, and either it works or maybe it doesn't. Body odor pleasantness interacts with gene information significant in mate selection for both males and females. 
Now, most of us probably have had an experience where a smell triggered a memory or reminded us of an experience or place. Nordstrom actually has a perfume that they release through their stores that was created only for them and cannot be purchased. So every time you walk into Nordstrom, this smell greets you and instantly lets you know where you're at. Smells are linked to experiences. Leonard Sachs, in his book, Why Gender Matters, talks about a husband and wife returning from a trip, and the wife was convinced there was a rotten smell in the house, and the husband couldn't smell it and thought his wife was just imagining things. And she persisted, and finally, a few days later, a repair person discovered there were dead rodents in their ductwork. The point of all this is to let you know that girls and women tend to have more acute sense of smell, which, by the numbers, is most likely different than boys and men. The final area of today, this episode, is uh, talking about some communication. Big topic, but I'll just hit a few. We know that women typically utilize a wider range of pitch and tonal variations compared to males. How the female and male brains are wired influences how they communicate. The female brain excels in verbal tasks, and the male brain is better adapted to visual and spatial tasks, which indicates that most women will use more descriptive language and men will use more action words. Research has shown that, because of this biological difference, most females communicate to connect and understand, and most males communicate to identify and process. It makes sense that gender differences will impact communication. There are thousands of research articles and books written about how men and women communicate. I want you to understand the biological differences between the brains and how they use language. And, you know, you really have to look at social construction again and stereotyping and reconsider that. Now, when boys feel something intensely, they may want to talk less and may even want to be alone. And when a girl feels something intensely, she may want to talk about it and share it with others. One researcher explained that, at at least to some degree, brain differences between girls and boys may translate into how they behave in terms of talking and communicating. Now, I have three sons and one daughter. I found there was definitely a difference in their need to talk through challenging situations, particularly when I was driving them to soccer or basketball practices. My daughter wanted to talk through every element of the situation, while my sons wanted to only mention or say something like, it sucks, and then move on to other topics. In addition, how men and women use words also varies. Most males use concise language to convey their message. Generally, women, you know, want to connect and they want to soften their speech by using tag or filter phrases. Culturally, women have been influenced to be cooperative and non-confrontational in their speech. As educators and parents and other types of influencers, being aware of these differences, both biologically and culturally, can help us communicate with, I would say verbally and non-verbally, and encourage boys and girls and men and women in ways that are most effective. Honestly, I've done so much reading through the years in terms of communication differences between men and women, and I find it very, very interesting. I think it would be good for all of us to read and study this topic because it really helps us in whatever we're doing in our homes, in our workplaces, in our classrooms, and beyond. Experts argue that some of the current kindergarten curricula may be disadvantaging boys because most boys don't have the fine motor skills to write or read at that young age, which then impacts communication. They often want to run and move and learn how to play. 
which can be greatly frustrating by what the kindergarten, why, what kindergarten classrooms want them to do. So gender neutral education can disadvantage boys in the early years. For girls, the harm could come through middle or high school because their confidence starts to shift. And you see that play out in their communication and in other ways as well. In fact, some experts say that we can encourage girls to take risks by building their confidence, and we can discourage boys from taking risks by understanding what motivates their risk-taking. In terms of nonverbal communication, girls and women tend to condense their bodies into as compact space as possible by tucking in elbows and crossing legs and keeping materials stacked in piles, physically taking up less space. And boys and men tend to expand when speaking. They take up more physical space and have a relaxed body posture. Several studies have shown females tend to display more animation in their facial expression than men. They smile more and make eye contact more often. Think about how these differences impact how they perceive, or how we, I should say, perceive males and females, men and women. There is definitely evidence in the research that I've done and others have done through the years that some of this could be biological, but a lot of this is our upbringing and it's socialization. It's unconscious to most of us. For your information, Amy Cuddy has an excellent TED Talk that is based on her research on how body language reveals how we are perceived. We have a link to this and other great resources in a handout that we have on our UWLP website as well. For more information, you can go to utwomen.org, click on the Research tab, and find Curriculum for Adults. Now, I have shared information throughout this podcast and a lot of information, and it can definitely seem like we are stereotyping, and this information can be used to stereotype. In terms of how we might use stereotypes in our own communication with children, teens, and adults, let me give you a few examples. First, when we refer to girls using adjectives that reference their beauty, like how sweet they are, how pretty they are, how cute they are in their outfits, we are actually gender stereotyping. We can subtly do the same things with women in our college classes, like I'm a a professor as well. Uh, According to some of our sources, we can focus on how we address girls, young women, and women we interact with. What descriptive phrases do we use? Are we promoting the gender or the female stereotype? These are actually just questions for you to think about. Often we don't realize it, but when we refer to boys and men using adjectives that reference their intelligent, how strong they are, how brave, or how physically capable they are, we are gender stereotyping. We do that quite a bit. I do that even, particularly if we don't use the same language as girls and women, just the differences in describing between genders. Think about focusing on how you address the young men you interact with. So what descriptive phrases do we use? Are we promoting the male stereotype? One professor at the University of Pennsylvania explained, we send boys a stronger message about what a boy is and is not supposed to do. Boys are not supposed to play with dolls. Boys get that message loud and clear. We do the same thing for girls. So my question for you to think about is this. Are we using different words when we talk about or talk to girls versus boys? And how do those words impact girls, boys, men, and women of all ages? 
The research studies I've shared today have taught us all about the differences between males and females in terms of four areas, sight, sound, smell, and communication. Yet not all children, teens, and adults fit into the same patterns. Understanding differences can help us decide when to let children, teens, and adults remain in their comfort zones and when to push them out of that zone to try something that maybe doesn't come naturally. It can help us recognize behavior that is typical or reveal a potential problem in those we influence. We can also increase a child's confidence and capabilities by working with gender to create an environment that works with biology. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast series hosted by the Utah Women in Leadership Project at Utah State University in partnership with Utah Public Radio, USU Extension, and the John M. Huntsman School of Business. Thanks to Emily Colby for her technical support. Our core mission is to strengthen the impact of Utah girls and women. To learn more about our research, resources, and events, please visit us at utwomen.org. Thank you.